You can now download the latest episode of The Candid Frame directly to your smartphone or tablet using the Candid Frame app. Available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8, you can automatically receive and listen to the latest episode minutes after it's released. Mark and download your favorites or send your comments and suggestions directly to me via the app. Download it today using your favorite app store or click on the links in the show notes found at the Candid Frame website. Cities such as San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York are rapidly changing. Communities that once were rich with diversity of class and culture are quickly being transformed with gentrification. Though of course there are benefits to be had in terms of economic growth, there's also a price that's paid that can't be measured in dollars and cents. James Maher is a photographer who's been documenting just such a change in his neighborhood in New York City. With his camera, he has photographed the people who provided a small New York neighborhood its identity for many, many years. It's an identity and a history that is quickly disappearing. This street photographer is doing more than just capturing the decisive moment on the street. He's photographing life in a very personal and intimate way. So enjoy our conversation with James Maher. Well, James, welcome to the uh, the Candid Frame. I'm really pleased to, to have you on a show. I, I always enjoy having uh, the chance to talk to a street photographer, but I have to tell you, I'm envious that you're a New York street photographer because it's, that's one of the cities that I just love to, to, to photograph in. But anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. You know, one of the things I wanted to start off to, to, is, is trying to define street photography. And I think it's kind of, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, um, it can either be too rigidly defined or too loosely mm-hmm. defined. It's it's really hard to sort of describe it to people who really don't have a complete understanding of what it is. But I thought we'd try anyway. For for you, you know, how do you see what you do as as a street photographer? What it's a, what is it about for you? Yeah, I think I mean first of all, it, it, street photography means something slightly different to every person. So, no matter no matter what definition I give, there's going to be someone someone out there that feels differently about what it is. I think, you know, the first kind of most simple definition, which I don't think is exactly true, is taking pictures of candid people on the street. You know, that's kind of, that's not necessarily a definition, but that's something to start with. Um, I think street photography is a very personal way of photographing your world. It's a way of seeing the world. It's, uh, you know, I, before I got into photography, I loved to walk around New York to relax and kind of daydream a little bit. And I guess the natural next step was to pick up a camera and then just search for things, you know, search for these special moments um, in my area that related to me. And, and through that, you know, it's you, you're kind of telling a story. It, it's over time when you take a lot of photographs in the same area, you know, you create a story over multiple images. Um, but it, it's, a, it, it's, it's tough to explain, but I think it's, it's very personal. Do you, do you know what? Yeah, I, I get it. You know, I, I like what you said there about sort of exploring your, your neighborhood and your environment, because mm-hmm. I think um, when you look at the master photographers like Henri Cartier-Bresson, Bruce Davidson, Jay Maisel, and, and a lot of those people, 
they they were more often than not exploring their own their own neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. They, they were certainly photographing people, but they were also exploring the relationship that people had within their their environment. And you know, like like many of those photographers, they lived in in cities where a lot of life happened on the street. So you could you could document a whole lot in terms of not just characters on the street, but life on the street and the interaction of people. And I think that's really, I think that for me, that's really at, at the heart of what some some really great street photography is is about, rather than just catching, catching a snap of somebody passing by. Uh, completely. Um, I think sometimes the best photographers and street photographers, as they mature, you can kind of get a sense of the photographer when you look at a photograph. So, you know, you can see a photograph of two people on the street, but you, but when you look at the photographer's books or over the course of their image, you kind of just get a sense for how they think, what they like, what they like to look at, what kind of stories it, it, yeah, it, it just, you really get a sense of the person taking the photograph. Yeah. And I think one of the important things about street photography is, is again, it's about the relationship of the person to the environment. And unfortunately, one of the, the, the biggest cliches that I've seen and continue to see a lot and, and that I'm guilty of myself just because it's like shooting, it's like shooting fish in a barrel is this idea of a, of a colorful wall, like a graffitied wall or something like that. And then just waiting for somebody to walk by and then, you know, thinking that that in and of itself makes for an interesting photograph. Yeah. It may have some interesting, it may be an interesting background with, you know, the, a human form in it. But it really isn't saying much about who that person is, what the community is like, or even what that photographer has to say beyond the fact that they're drawn to this sort of colorful, colorful scene in front of them. How do you, you know, how how do you, you know, what are some of the other cliches that you commonly see that you feel like, not necessarily that you want to avoid, but you, that you try to try to stay aware of when you're out shooting? Uh, well, there are a lot of cliches and I, on an everyday basis, photograph a lot of cliches. I don't necessarily show them all. (laughs) Um, I like the one you were talking about with a person walking in front of an interesting wall. That's one of the most important cliches to talk about because it's so easy to do. It's one of the first things you do is you find an interesting background and I kind of consider those when you find an interesting background to be more of an urban landscape you know, you're, it's, it's like you're taking photographs in the woods of Yosemite. You're using little elements of the city to create this, this landscape image. And then what a lot of people do is they just wait for someone interesting to pass through the scene. And then, you know, suddenly it's considered a street image, which is not necessarily true. Uh, you know, it's, I shoot that way a lot. You know, I create landscapes of the city. That's a fantastic way to, to, to photograph, but you're not necessarily going to, it's hard to get something that really speaks to you that way unless when I I think when new photographers do it or people who aren't experienced enough, perhaps they don't even wait long enough. (laughs) Um, I like to pick a spot and wait in it for a very long time for something interesting to happen. And it doesn't even have to do with the background. I'll just sometimes pick an interesting background because, you know, why not? It's, it's what you, I'd prefer to wait in an area with an interesting background to one without an interesting background, but it's not about the background necessarily. It's about something interesting happening. Yeah. I think, I think one of the people who best 
sort of describes it is Sam Abel, mm -hmm. who for people who don't know is a National Geographic photographer. And he was taught, he was taught to look for the setting first. And I think that's something different than simply looking for a background. When I, when I think about background, I'm thinking about this sort of one dimensional thing. But the way Sam seems to describe it, he's, he's often hunting for scenes or settings that in and of themselves could be maybe an interesting urban landscape. There's light, there's depth, there's a complexity to the overall scene, except it's missing one little something. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, it can be a person, it can be a horse, it can be, you know, whatever, whatever it is that's in that, in the particular area that, that, that he's in. But he's, he's finding an, an interesting setting that in and of its, in and of itself could hold up as a photograph. But in order to elevate it into something extraordinary, it requires not only that additional element, but a heck of a lot of patience. And I think that that's what really the, the street photography that really resonates with me uh, is really, really about. Yeah, patience, patience is the key. <laughs> it's uh, those interesting moments happen, but they don't happen very frequently. And you have to just be willing to, to wait until, until they happen. T tell me about your practice. I mean, you live in New York, mm -hmm. and it's probably one of the most envious cities to live in for a street photographer because, like I said, there's so much life that happens on the street. Mm -hmm. It's constantly busy, 24 hours a day. You know, th there's so much to to shoot, but that, as well as being an asset, that can really be a, a detriment. So, you know, what do you feel allows you to effectively deal with? all of that New York has to offer and be able to not only pull off a, a good street photograph, but create a photograph that you feel is unique to you. I think part of that is when you know the city well enough or you know your environment well enough, then your images start to take on another level to them. You know, I've, I've talked to street photographers who photographed in the 70s, 80s, uh, early nineties. And a lot of them say, you know, the city's boring now, you know, the characters are leaving, they're getting gentrified out of the city. I guess the next layer of what's happening in the city is that it's, it's the city is becoming actually more boring. It's really interesting, but that in itself is a whole new kind of focus to take to street photography, to photo, to, to photograph what's happening. So, you know, I, when I go out there, I, I have, I, I kind of wait for special things to happen, but I also have a lot of ideas of things that I'm photographing over time. So gentrification is a really big issue. Um, and I, I kind of look out for just anything that, um, that has to do with that. So one of my favorite images, it's really simple. It's a block away from my house. Um, some developers kicked out a, a whole building of, uh, rent stabilized people and, um, completely gutted the house and just, Re renovated it from top to bottom. And I was walking by one day and there are these, um, it was a colorful building and then there are these statues, uh, little, uh, I guess, uh, sculptures in the building. And they had painted the top half of the building white until it was just coming up to the the heads of the, the sculptures and the, the sculptures was, were still black. Um, and there was still a lot of color on the bottom half. And it just was a perfect picture of, what's happening in my neighborhood and, and, and this idea of gentrification. And, you know, I think that that's a, a street phot photograph that's not necessarily, it's not a person, it's not walking down the street, but it's an image of 
culture. It tells a story. It, it, it's it, it, that I think that's the, the true essence of street photography tells some sort of story like that. Yeah. You know, that issue, a whole issue of gentrification is one that I really wanted to talk to you about because it's, it's, it's a complicated one. There's a lot of gentrification that's happening here in downtown Los Angeles. And for someone who's been shooting there for 20 plus years, there's part of me that sort of laments some of the changes that are happening because there's a, what, what made you downtown Los Angeles so unique is that it was so different from other parts of Los Angeles where a lot of old LA was sort of mowed down for strip malls and, you know, sort of these sort of grayish featureless buildings. And then you had, you know, downtown Los Angeles where you had remnants of stuff from the turn of the century or, you know, very old movie theaters and stores and office buildings. And there was a really uh, a rich community of people that looked like very different from what you would see west of La Cienega and, and, and things like that. And But, you know, any city, any street is always subject to change. Sometimes it's slower. Sometimes it's, 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 it's more rapid. But um, like you said, you're seeing a lot of change in your, in your own city. Um, do you, do you largely lament the, the changes that you're, that you're seeing there? Or do you just see it as a, just a normal evolution of, of any large urban center? I'm still figuring that out. I think Uh, it's, uh, you know, of course I lament, uh, I, I love the city, how it was over the last 15, 20 years. A lot of the just really interesting businesses have won, have won out of business. Um, you speak to people who have in my area in the East village, which was the center of counterculture and punk rock. And I interviewed these people, uh, for, for different, uh, different publications. So I, I do lament that. And it, it hurts me and it scares me that the city is becoming more affordable, especially for artists. You know, I, 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 I try to go out every other day with a camera to photograph just for myself. And then you also have to pay bills and you have to, you know, think about having children and it's, it's only getting harder, uh, for the middle class in the city. But at the same time, I'm fascinated by the change. It, it's I, because I have no idea where it's going. It, you know, it scares me. I, I think it's, it, bad, but it's the nature of the beast, uh, in this city. And I mean, it seems like San Francisco is the same, same thing is happening. Um, and it's, it, it, it scares me, but at the same time, it really fascinates me. Yeah. I, th- I think you really sort of touch on it when you talk about the, the change in terms of the people, because there, there's, there are certain people, characters, personalities that exist within a community that are really are kind of forced out because they can't afford to to live there. And somehow they become or are as important as any of the facades that exist within the city. And that's why I love the the series that you've been doing uh, on the East Village, where you've been, you know, not only photographing the people who live there, but interviewing them and finding out their stories before it's completely sort of wiped away. I think that that's the disappearance of those people is just as important as any, any building or any storefront. And tell us about, you know, uh, how this series came about and, and why you think it's such an important series. The series came about, uh, just with a simple email. There's, uh, I guess the, the largest neighborhood blog in, in, New York is a website called evgrieve.com. It's E-V-G-R-I-E-V-E. 
uh, it's this anonymous person who has lived in the neighborhood for a long time. I'm not sure how long, but they seem to know everything about the neighborhood. And they started it about 10 years ago. And I used to send images in just uh, of interesting things that I saw. And the person would publish them on the site. And then just one day I said, you know, I see all these, there's, I know there's this rich history of artists and musicians and all different types of creative people. Um, what if I just stopped them on the street and, and did a fairly brief interview? Um, could we do, turn that into a weekly feature? And, uh, the owner sounded very excited. So we started it that way. That was about two years ago. We've done almost once, once a week since, and it's been an eye-opening experience. Uh, you know, I've, I've interviewed, um, one of the first tattoo artists in the city, photographers, musicians, artists, uh, a dominatrix, uh, and latex saleswoman, um, drug addicts, uh, even a pornographer. Um, it, it's, you know, the, those were the people that were living in this neighborhood. And, and it's strange because, you know, there are all these uh, alternative lifestyles, but they seemed so normal when I talked to them. Um, I mean, of that whole list, the most normal person was the pornographer. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it, it gave me a sense of the neighborhood, but it was, it's interesting because you talked about, uh, you know, the people being as important as the facades and the, the architecture and things like that. Uh, it's the reason why this people come to the city is for the creativity. You know, I know a lot of tourists come here to see the, the sites and the buildings, but it, it's the art and the culture and the East village became such a center of art and culture and the, you know, the start of the punk rock movement because of how cheap the housing stock was and how it was easy for these young artists to come in and just, you know, pay the rent with a side job and then focus all their time on their art. And that, you know, basically the culture of the East village kind of went worldwide because of that. And, you know, there are areas in New York, there are areas uh, in Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, uh, that are fairly cheap, but it's changing very fast. So it, it, it's, it's, it, when we talked about gentrification, it, it scares me that the city's eventually going to be come too expensive for any artists. And then what happens to it then, you know, people eventually are not going to want to come here. Yeah. You know, when I go to, when I went to, um, 42nd street when it first got transformed, it was, it was a shock. Because uh, it had been very many years since I'd been there, and and a lot of the porn theaters are still there. And you know, I got off at the train station where the Greyhound uh, bus station was, when and that was a corner you wanted to get the hell away from as quickly as possible. <laughs> but now it's just it's just this it's almost like an amusement park, and you know, and, and in some ways it's you know it's great for the city economically. I mean, it's a center point for a lot of tourism and a lot of interest and a lot of you know, life. But like you said, there's always parts of a city that are made up of more low key or that might not be the right word, but, you know, more real personalities, mm -hmm. more real settings that may not be often visited by tourists, but really make up the make up a city. And I think that some of the best photographs are made in locations like that. And that that it's important to 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 go into those areas and not just stick around areas where there are crowds of people, which I think is one of the one of those sort of default cliches that people will often do when they're starting in street photography is go to locations where the pickings are fairly easy. 
to talk about walking around the neighborhood where you know where it's not necessarily a normal thing to have a camera around your neck and approaching strangers to to make their photograph for or even just making their photograph without them you know without you asking them their permission what's that dynamic in New York where you know people have always been intimidated by New Yorkers especially the idea of directing a camera at them it's I, I've learned a lot from doing it. It's uh, when it when you go to the crowded areas, it's easy. The people are going too fast. They they don't notice you. It's very easy. Uh, when you're on a quiet street, um, there's a, you have to take a different way of doing it. I mean, uh, if you're trying to create a candid shot, it's it, I think the best way to do it is just to take the shot and then just to then smile and talk to them afterwards. Cause they're going to see you took the photograph. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, just to say, Hey, my, I, I, I say, Hey, my name's James. Uh, you know, I've, I photograph, uh, life around the city. I thought you looked really interesting. Um, you know, here's my card, send me an email, I'll send you the photograph. Uh, and you'd be surprised, you know, so I've, I've in 11 years of doing this, I've never had a bad experience with that. Um, I've had, you know, maybe at first a couple people have been a little off put, but with a big enough smile, a handshake, you know, you can quickly let them know that you're not trying to do anything bad. Um, the interviews are, have been interesting because it's really tough to stop someone and then not just take their portrait, but to get them to open up about their life for, you know, 15 to 45 minutes. I've stopped people and had a 45 minute interview on the street that I've never met before, um, where they've talked about these very deep and, uh, you know, just things you wouldn't think people would, would tell you, uh, to be on, you know, a very large blog in New York. Uh, the thing that I've found most about that is that, uh, a lot of people just want to talk about their lives and want to, want to be heard. Um, and it's, it's once you get used to it and get over the, I guess, approach, uh, the fear of the approach, um, you suddenly realize that you're doing a good thing and you're generally making people's day. And, uh, it becomes a lot easier after the first, I guess, month of doing it. Yeah. And, and we should differentiate that the stuff that you've been doing, um, you know, for that, for that blog is more along the lines of street portraiture than it is mm -hmm. street photography. But before uh, let's talk a little bit about that because I think that that's, that's an important dis, dis, dis thing to distinguish. With street portraiture, you're, you're obviously making a picture of a person, but you're also making a picture of the environment that they're in. So, you know, when you see someone who's interesting, what's going through your head in terms of approaching them and making their photograph in terms of either photographing where they are or moving them to another location because you think it serves the photograph better? What's what, what's your process for that? Well, the first thing that I think about to getting a good photograph, and you're right, there's a, there's a difference between street portraiture and street photography, um, but the aims are in the end are kind of the same. The most important thing that I try to do is get them comfortable so I always like if I'm going to interview them or I, I do the interview first so that we can talk for a while or I'll talk to them first. Um, and I want to I, I really want to capture them in an unguarded moment. So maybe when they're looking slightly off the camera or they have a thought in their head or most of my favorite portraits are the moments in between the portraits. You know, they'll I'll take the photographs of them while, while they'll be looking at me and they'll and then I'll pretend for a second, maybe that I'm not going to take the photograph and give them a second to take their guard down, or I'll work with them to get their guard down. 
those are my favorite moments where you can just, they don't seem like they're being photographed. Um, so I will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly move people to different, uh, locations depending on the light. Uh, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't really want to do too much to them because they're in a rush and you just want to try to take the best photograph you can with, with what you have. Um, I, I think the most important thing by far that I, that I focus on is, is just capturing some sort of expression and natural and trying to get a sense of their personality with, with the photograph. You know, I, 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 I always think about framing and composition, but it, that comes secondary to capturing a moment of them that kind of says something. And let's talk about what you work with. Cause I think, um, I don't talk a lot about gear in, in, in photography, but I think, uh, when it comes to street photography, I think it's an essential conversation. There's so many different cameras that are out there that people that use, but, uh, I'm kind of, I'm always curious myself in terms of what people who dedicate themselves to street photography find really works for them. So what, what are you currently using and what works best for you? Um, well, right now, uh, my favorite camera in the world is the Fuji X100S. That's what I use to walk around the city with, to kind of take around everywhere with me, even when I'm not trying to photograph. Um, I do about half the portraits with that camera. It's fantastic. You can shoot at ISO 3200, blow it up real large. And it's grainy, but it looks, the prints look stunning. Um, it's inconspicuous. It's silent. You can photograph on a subway train. You know, the, the, the subway trains are kind of little tin cans. Uh, so it's, it's very hard to get a candid photograph without disturbing people. And that camera does a, a amazing job at it. And it's also, it's just a pleasure to use, you know, photography is supposed to be fun. And I find that camera extremely fun. Um, so I'm, I'm excited with that camera and very excited with the direction that Fuji is going in. Um, I also use, and I, I've used Canon, uh, SLRs for a very long time. The first, I use the 5D Mark II and I use that for, I mean, I still use that for all my professional work. I use that for about half of the portraits. Um, I don't use it so much for street photography anymore, but when I did, I would use it with a 28 millimeter prime lens, just so it was a little bit lighter, a little bit easier to use. Um, and I love using, uh, prime focal lengths because I think when you're stuck with a specific focal length, instead of a zoom lens, you learn to see with that lens. Um, and it makes you a little bit faster and you almost kind of forget the camera exists so that instead you're really focusing on just what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Cause good photography, I think is, you know, it's, it's like if you just put the camera down and you're just standing there in the street and looking around, that's, that's when you do it really well is when you're in that zone. And then you need to have the technical skills to be able to notice something and then photograph it. You know, you're fairly young, but you've been doing street photography for, for, you know, over 10 years now. What, what, why the interest? I mean, what, what was the big draw for you? That's a very good question. Uh, probably sit me down on the couch, uh, for a <laughs> psychology se session. Um, I, you know, my parents are both psychiatrists actually. So I've always, for my whole life, I've always been, um, a people person. I'm kind of an introvert, but I've always surrounded myself with people. I've always been fascinated with people. I, that, that was always just how I was not, not just because my parents were psychiatrists, um, but I always, not just street photography, but photography in general, it seemed like a natural progression because 
it was a tool that allowed me to kind of break out of my introversion, to meet people, to learn about people, to just to, you know, use it to become, to get where I wanted to go. Um, and street photography is, it sounds simple, but it's, uh, you know, you live in the city. <laughs> I love to walk around the city. I love to daydream. Uh, you know, I'm a child of ADD. So it kind of the taking a camera around with you is, is sort of a natural progression to that. It's, it's just a way of documenting what you see, recording what you see. It's a, it's a way to have uh, another level of fun when, when you're out there. Yeah. Well, it seems like, you know, you have an appreciation not only for the modern street photographers, but, you know, for the master photographers that have gone, you know, who created images previously, you were kind enough to send me that ebook where you interviewed a lot of classic uh, photographers, including Jay Maisel and, and several others. And it was a fascinating, fascinating read. Uh, and tell us about, you know, the idea for that book and how you managed to get these people to sit down and talk with you and have these conversations with you. It was, it was an interesting experience and a fascinating learning experience. Um, I combined it with another book, which was just, it was a, a general learning technically, uh, how to see about street photography, kind of giving, um, beginners an idea of what it is and how to do it. And then I wanted to supplement that with, uh, another book, which showed five photographers that photographed in completely different ways, <laughs> uh, both, uh, with the w cameras they used and then the content that they photographed. Um, so that was, that was the, the crux of it was not just finding five fantastic people that, you know, whose work I loved, but finding five completely different fantastic people. Um, so there's everyone, everyone from Matt Weber, who was a former cab driver, uh, who saw so much, so much crazy stuff around the, the streets of New York that he bought, um, 35 millimeter camera, eventually Leica and, you know, he, he just does this gritty, amazing work. You know, a lot of people don't like to photograph homeless people on the streets because they think it invades their privacy, but somehow Matt found a way to do it where it, it just feels like he cares about them. And he's one of my favorite photographers of all time. Uh, and then, uh, there's, uh, Blake Andrews who photographs in, um, the Northwest, <laughs> you know, with not many people around and it's, uh, it's a completely different a a aesthetic. Um, there's a guy, Mike, Mike Peters, who photographs, um, he does, it's candid, but it feels more like portraiture with a Hasselblad on, on the streets of New York. Uh, it's, it, his work is some of my favorite work of all time. It's amazing the content and also how, that he's able to technically get it to look so stunning. Um, and then Jay Mizell, who is kind of photographed similar content on the streets of New York to some of the other photographers like Matt Weber or, uh, but, but he uses an, an SLR with a 28 to 300 millimeter lens, uh, where a lot of, uh, street photographers use small Leicas. Um, so it just, I, the thing that fascinated me most was how different these people were. Yeah, and that's what I really appreciated about the read because it was nice to see th that kind of diversity. And, and and like we said at the very begin beginning of the conversation, there's so many different approaches to street photography. And it was wonderful seeing 
not only the very different photographs, but the approaches, the different cameras people would use, the different sort of aesthetics and compositions that these people would come up to, up come up with, all of which fit un, under the uh, the auspices of a, of good street photography. And I think, you know, that 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 book I really recommend to people because it really broadens your your idea of what street photography can be. Because if you just if you're if your education of street photography is limited to just looking on Flickr, um, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because, you know, you really need to take a look at people who are doing exceptional work to really kind of challenge yourself to move beyond the cliches and and to really make photographs that really distinguish themselves as as street photographs. Yeah, that's a, that's a very important point because it's tough on the Internet these days where you're seeing so many different images from so many different places, there's just no cohesiveness to them. When learning about street photography, I recommend buying books of great photographers where you see this kind of cohesive, it's almost, the the images almost take on more meaning when they're surrounded by similar content. It's a, and just looking at looking at specific portfolios of photographers and reading more about them to kind of understand where they come from. Um, you know, there, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there are photographs that the first time around, I didn't think I liked. And, and then when I read, you know, I saw them a few more times, I said, let me look at this a little bit more. And then I read about what, what, what was behind it. And it took on a whole different meaning. Yeah. Um, and that's hard to get, uh, when you're looking at Flickr and yeah, I mean, I, the, the version that comes to mind is Lee Friedlander, whose photographs are exactly that you first look at them and you go, what the hell is this guy doing? And it takes you some time to sort of really appreciate what he's doing because he's he's making very complex photographs, which can be very can really throw you off because it seems like it's completely antithetical to what a a quote unquote good street photograph or a good photograph is. But then you see what he's doing, and then you go, "Oh my God, how can anyone see that way and put all those elements together and make them work as well as it, as it does?" And that's exciting stuff when you can find it. But, you know, I, it's very rarely that I find that on places like, like, like Flickr. But are there some go-to places that you'd like to go to online that you think are real valuable resources for people who are interested and passionate about street photography? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of them. There's, uh, I mean, one of the main Flickr groups uh, is Hardcore Street Photography. Um, there's a bunch of, there's, uh, Eric Kim has a blog where he will introduce you to a lot of, um, new photographers and he talks about them all. Um, there's the website in public. There's a lot of great London photographers. I mean, you can go on forever. It's, there's so many different sites and so many, um, popping up, but I think, uh, one of the best things you can do is go to a bookstore, um, or search on Amazon. Um, you know, I, I look, purchase a book from, from Leaf Freelander or l- look at his work, uh, online to decide if you like it. Um, you know, Bruce Davidson's my favorite photographer. Uh, I, I would highly recommend looking through his work. Um, I, I think you should research some of the big names and then just take your time to learn about them. Um, and I wanted to quickly, uh, just talk about Lee Friedlander. Uh, he's one of my favorite photographers. Um, a lot of people say, you know, I live in such a boring area. Um, I can't do street photography. You know, you live in New York city, uh, and you know how the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, I always 
think like, oh, I, I, you know, I wish I was in somewhere quieter where I could try to do this work and just see how different it would be. And Lee Friedlander photographed in New York. He photographed uh, all around America, but he did, you look at some of his photographs in the middle of, of, you know, Middletown America or the middle of nowhere, and they are fascinating. They are chaotic. You can get a sense of his personality. Um, and then you look at his, he came out with a book, uh, I, I forget in what year, more recent, uh, a landscape uh photography book. And you can just see that they're the same person photographing the street photographs to the landscapes. They feel chaotic, a little crazy, a little. Um, so he's, he's a great, uh, photographer to, uh, to research, to get a sense of, um, someone who does it really well. Yeah. I, I wish he wasn't so reluctant to do interviews because he's one person who I would love to have on the show, but I have it from a good authority that uh, he's not interested in doing interviews with anyone. <laughs> so unless I strike it, uh, strike gold one day, uh, I'm not going to have a chance to talk to him. Though I, I ache so much to have a chance to sit down and talk with him and really pick his brain. Um, I, I would love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, one of the interesting things that you do is that you do these photo tours, which aren't necessarily like. Um, workshops. And I think that's in a really kind of a neat way that you've sort of created a, a niche for yourself to support your photography and to allow people to explore um, New York as, as street photographers for a couple of hours. Tell us about the whole, how this whole came about and how you've managed to make this work for you. It's, it, it's interesting. It started out pretty simply. Um, you know, I've always done kind of other, other photography, uh, you know, commercial work, um, selling prints and a bunch of other things. And about a couple of years ago, I, I just saw some other people were doing it in different areas. I said, Oh, this is a great idea. I'll put a, a page up on my website. I didn't really promote it, um, that much. I I've been doing a blog for, I don't know, six years now. So I've had kind of a following through that and it started slowly. I got a few people and it was really fun and they, they seemed to have a fantastic time. So I decided to focus a little bit more on that. And it's over the last two years, it's really, it, it's grown. I've been doing about two to three a week. Um, and it's fascinating because you get people from all over the world with all different abilities. Um, and you know, you have three to five hours with them and that's both a fantastic experience and a, a struggle. Uh, how can I simultaneously show them my favorite areas of the city to photograph and how can I make them a better photographer in such a short amount of time? Mm -hmm. And these are people with vastly different abilities. I have people who just want to do street photography. I have people who just want to see the sights and do a little dabbling. Um, so anyway, it, it's, it's one of the most fun things that I do. Uh, but it's, it's always, it's always, uh, kind of a tough struggle to be like, how can I teach them about street photography and then let them on their way to further explore it. Do you find that most of the people are, are, are traveling from abroad or you get a lot of people here in the States who are visiting New York for the first or second time that are getting together with you? There are, there are a few New Yorkers, but um, it's, I guess the biggest areas are, there are a lot of people from around America. Um, and then besides that, it's a lot of people from Australia, a lot from Canada and a lot from Europe. And it must be interesting to get to see the city through their eyes because it's, you know, like you said, you, you've been there for a very long time. So, you know, you have to sort of have uh, two sets of eyes, your own, but also, you know, the eyes of, a, of a, you know, of somebody fresh off the boat 
as as well. So that I think it's kind of important to have because you got to have you know both you know feet in both types of water in order to make it a a good experience for them. Yeah, it's uh you know I, I simultaneously that a lot of people come to New York with this preconceived notion about what photos they should take, which I try to break them out of a little bit. I, you know, we go take some of some of those images uh, if the people really want to, but I try to talk about the city, talk about the areas that we're in and then help them photograph what it's really like. And it's interesting. I mean, I, you know, I, I people want to see me photograph as well too. So I, I bring my camera around, but I, I don't, I generally don't ever get very good photographs on these on these because I'm focused so much on trying to help them see things. You know, I, it's, I want to try to point things out that I see and, and then see if they can capture it in time and explain why I thought it was interesting. And I, I think that that does a lot for them. It's, it's a, it's a good way for them to see things a little bit differently from, I guess, how they expected New York to look. I, I think a lot of people Google New York images before they come and mm-hmm. they want to take all those images. Um, but it's also been a fa- fantastic learning experience for me because we go down some of the same streets. You know, I go three times a week down the same street and and all of a sudden after a year, one photographer will take an, an image of something that I've been photographing for years and it's way better than any image I've ever taken of it. <laughs> and I'm just like, I've looked at this thing from every different angle and how did this person do that? And it, it, it's taught me a, a lot and made me a much better photographer. You know, that, that's one of the best things I like about teaching and, and especially pe- taking people out on the street because almost inevitably that happens to me. And I go, I've been here for years or photographed here a dozen times and I never saw it that way. And I think that's, I think that's one of the joys of photographing on, on the street is is that it's so it can be almost anything to anyone who has a camera and they can interpret you know you can have a dozen photographers out there but each of them is going to interpret it in, in a very distinct way and 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 sometimes it's the people with the less experience who have a more sensitive eye even though they may not know all the technical stuff but but they're much more in tune with themselves in the moment than someone who's as jaded and, and, you know, gear laden as we are sometimes. It's true. There are some people that I'm extremely surprised how fast they pick it up. Uh, It's, uh, they, you you realize at that moment that photography is not about the camera. It's about seeing. And I'm, I'm, I'm amazed sometimes at how fast people can, can see things in such an interesting way. Yeah. Well, you had a chance recently to teach a um, a workshop with Valerie Jardine, who I've interviewed for the show, and she's a, a personal friend as well as being a friend of the show. Tell me about the experience of teaching with her, because she brings a very different approach to, to photographing on the street. And uh, I think it was the first opportunity you guys had to sort of collaborate with each other. But I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you feel you learned from her, not just as, as a photographer, but as a, as a teacher. It was, it was very interesting. I mean, as, as I said, I've been doing these very small groups for two years. This is my first, uh, larger workshop where we got to spend, uh, three hours on Saturday doing a seminar and talking about both of our works, which are, are, are wildly different, different areas, different content. And it's, it's fascinating to see the difference. Um, and then going out and, and, and photographing and, uh, yeah, I mean, I learned a lot. It was a, it was a very big learning experience. Um, just, how to get through to, to, um, a whole bunch of completely different photographers, 
uh, over the course of the weekend. And, and Val, Valerie is incredible at that. Um, I, I, I learned so much from watching her do that. Um, it, it was, uh, it was a fantastic experience. Um, it's, I, it's hard to say the, the hardest part about it, as I, I mentioned to you pre- previously was, um, uh, getting, uh, 10 people to cross the street, uh, successfully. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, teaching in that larger group can be a real challenge, but thankfully you had two of you there, but I'm sure that the students there really appreciated having both of your, your, your experience and your, and your feedback there. Uh, it's kind of rare to have two, two, you know, two photographers there who, whose brains you can pick, uh, on, on, a, on an excursion like that. And so I'm sure it was a lot of fun for them. I wish I had been there. Yeah. You're, you're welcome anytime in New York. <laughs> um, there was uh yeah, it was, a, it was a good mix because uh, for mo- for the most part, what we do is we'd pick areas. I take them to my favorite areas and we'd let people kind of split up a little bit and explore on their own. And we'd be there and they'd come back and talk to us, show us their images, or I'd, I'd spend a little time with each of them. And, it, you know, a couple of them would go off together or I'd go off with a couple people and it, 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 over the course of a couple hours, you really get to do a lot of photography together with these people. That's awesome. Um, so it was, it's interesting in, in, in a larger group, it's, it's not that many people when you do it the right way. Uh, and it, it, it was just, it was very fun photographing with so many different personalities in such a short period of time. Well, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, the last question I ask each guest is I ask them to suggest or recommend one photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? That's I have, I have two, I guess. Uh, my favorite all-time photographer is Bruce Davidson. I think he's one of the greatest all-time photographers. He photographed in New York um, and uh, and uh, around the country in Chicago and, and uh, other places. Um, he had a very specific eye in that he would pick projects and just he he said it. Um, he there's an interview in that uh, documentary Everybody Street where he said he lived like a monk, <laughs> and he just photographed every day religiously these subjects. One of which was the New York subway system. And it's fascinating. I love comparing my work to their work because you see how different, the, you know, something like the subway system is from then to now. And then it kind of helps you think of, you know, how how do I better, how can I capture the subway in a different way? Because it's it's different than it used to be. Um, so he is one of my favorite ones. Uh, and the other one is uh, Matt Weber, um, who he's been one of my favorite all time. He's a good friend, one of my favorite all time photographers. Uh, this guy drove a taxi around the streets of New York. He was a former graffiti artist. Uh, he of all people understood the city in the seventies and eighties, uh, and nineties. And, and currently he's, he shoots, uh, frequently, uh, today. Um, he just, he captured that gritty side of the city, but it, you look at his photos and they, they feel nostalgic. They feel it's, it's very interesting to see kind of a romantic image of prostitutes on 42nd street, you know, as he's driving by in his cab, it's uh he he's, you can tell he, he's very sensitive to his subjects and he, he cares about the people that he photographs, no matter what uh, part of life they, they come from. 
Yeah, two two very awesome photographers who've 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 both have captured a New York that's no longer there. And that's I think one of the importance I think that's why it's so important to go out and photograph whatever city or town you're living in now, because it's not gonna always look like that forever. And even though, you know, you may consider it boring right now, within a very short time, as 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 little as twenty years, a place can change to the point that it's unrecognizable. And I think that if you're passionate about photography and your community in one way or another, it's a good excuse to go out with a camera and to and to document it. Yeah, th- th- think about what's going to change and, and try to capture it before it disappears. So where can people go to find out more about you and everything that you're doing? Uh, they can go to my website. Everything is there. Um, the website is uh, www.jamesmayerphotography.com. Great, man. Well, thanks for reaching out, man. It was a pleasure pleasure having a chance to talk to you. And hopefully, uh, if I'm in New York before the end of the year, we can hook up and get together. Oh, please. Yes. Uh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. Remember that my latest book, Portraits of Strangers, is available for purchase. And for loyal listeners of the show, you can enjoy 30% off the ebook or any other book or DVD that I've produced, including my first book, Chasing the Light, Improving Your Photography Using Available Light. Click on the link on the show notes and use the promo code PORELLO, that's P as in Paul, E-R-E-L-L-O, to receive your discount. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners just like you, as well as the work of our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.